Welcome back to Partners of Fright, everyone. This week we have Devin's Pick, The Last Radio Call, a 2021 movie. You literally just sound like you're trying to get over a cold. Oh, okay. All right. Anyways, welcome back to your favorite podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Devin. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, like I said, uh, Devin's pick was the last radio call. And how how did you find out about this? Yes, I actually saw this on Horror Cafe's uh, Instagram story. Shout out to Erica. We were chatting over Instagram the other day. And it has, like, no reviews on IMDb. I think it has, like, 250. So oh, I was wow. very okay. excited. Because uh, it seems relatively new. It was on Tubi. That's correct. Also, the director, Isaac Rodriguez, directed a couple other movies that are on our list as well. So, really? um, yeah, I was curious to see, or I am curious to see if he has like a particular style or anything. What are the other ones that he's made that's on our list? Uh, Deadware, for sure. Also, a town full of ghosts. Mm, okay. He's like churning them out. There's Last Radio Call and A Town Full of Ghosts, both from 2022, and then Deadware was 2021. Hmm. And he leans towards found footage style. So I think that, nice. well, I don't know how you feel about this movie, but. <laughs> Well, I did notice that at the beginning, uh, the production company was Terror Films, which I believe that's the same company that did all of Hell House. So I'm not sure if that's a company that strictly works or leans towards found footage or if it's just a coincidence. Interesting. So I'm curious, when you pick these movies, do you do any research? Do you watch the trailers or do you just go in blind? No, I go in completely blind. Okay, gotcha. I I do that now too. I used to like want to watch a trailer and like get as much info as I can, but now I'm leaning more towards just almost like picking out of a hat now. Basically, <laughs> I go with whatever like movie poster is fitting my vibe for that evening. Right. So what happens if say like Thursday, your vibe is like a really vibrant poster, but then by the time we watch it, your vibe is like dark and gloomy. I'm always dark and gloomy, baby. <laughs> um, Does that affect your viewing experience? I usually don't decide on a movie until the night that we watch it. Gotcha, okay. Like a definite decision. Right, I'll okay. have it in my head for like a couple of days, and then the mm -hmm. night that we go to watch, that's when I for sure pick. Really? That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I probably a couple days before we watch the movie, I'll have, I'll be settled on one. I'll look forward to it the whole time. That's cute. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> you want to get into this one? Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you want to jump into the summary? Sure. The wife of a missing man who is investigating a vacant old hospital uses body cam footage to find clues to his horrifying last encounter. Love it. Now do it with a southern accent. No, you can do that one. <laughs> um, so this is pretty interesting. Are you getting tired of the found footage yet? Do you want to take a break from it? Or how are you feeling with it? There's something oddly comforting about it. Really? Yeah. Oh, like a bedtime story? I know. <laughs> I guess that found footage is probably popular for the kinds of movies that we're watching because it's low budget. Yeah, it's definitely easier to make for more independent, like you said, budget and production companies. And I realized, so the other day I added a shit ton of movies to our watch list. Were they all found footage? Almost all of them were oh exclusively God. found footage. And I didn't mean for that. But the cool thing was I noticed that a lot of the movies that I threw on the list, they were all made around the same time. 
I'm going to pull them up here. 2009, 2005, 2008, 2003, 2013, 2015, 2005. So like early 2000s? Yeah, mid to late 2000s. It seems like there was a huge wave of these found footage movies. And I feel like I haven't heard of any of these. Obviously, I would say the godfather of found footage is Blair Witch, right? It, I yeah. would assume that definitely set like the tone. And I feel like everyone's been <laughs> chasing that high ever since. Yeah, I think Blair Witch and probably Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Yeah, I think, well, those are, yeah, those are the two that come to mind. Um, but it's, it's it's just interesting seeing all of these movies trying to replicate it, catching lightning in a bottle twice or three times, you know? I think it would be interesting to do, and maybe somebody's already in the process of doing this, but I feel like with Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity, the marketing for those movies was so huge. Like, that was such a pivotal point of their success was the marketing behind it and i'm wondering if like the kind of modern iteration of that would be marketing it on tiktok like smile yeah marketed on tiktok i was just thinking of that Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't found footage but if they had like internet sluice kind of faking an investigation into missing teenagers and Mm -hmm. then finding quote unquote the footage yeah that would be pretty bam perfect marketing yeah i don't remember the marketing for blair witch but i do remember the trailers and stuff for paranormal activity and that one was really different because a lot of it was viewer experiences in theaters like the night vision cameras of everyone watching the movie in theaters and them like jump scaring that's what yeah. I remember most. And also that they chose unknown actors. Mm-hmm. And people didn't actually know whether or not it was real. Right. Yeah, that definitely helped. Add Which, to, I guess, same like, thing with Blair Witch. I mean, everybody thought that those kids were actually missing. Yeah. Oh. That, do, you, do you remember the first time you saw Blair Witch? Vaguely. Like, I know that it was at my parents' house. Okay. Let me set the tone for you. So I was a teenager and we were on a family vacation seeing family that was on my stepmom's side. And it was an old farmhouse out in the middle of the woods in Kentucky. And we watched it in the middle of the night. It was one of the creepiest experiences that I have ever encountered with a movie and I will never forget it. Just you're surrounded by woods and because it was so far out there was no street lights or anything i'm just getting goosebumps thinking about it i love that for you me too (laughs) i'm sure that this movie recreated that perfect blair witch viewing experience for you i don't think anything will ever (laughs) ever reach that height um but yeah this was certainly a movie let's not shit all over it in the first three minutes of our podcast all right let's dive in ready (laughs) i was born ready okay so the movie opens with two police officers body cam footage and they are investigating an abandoned hospital yorktown hospital they hear a loud bell ringing and i'm not talking like a little jingle. I'm mm-hmm. talking like Notre Dame. Giant ass church bell. Yeah. Yeah. There's also some footsteps in the distance. They were and- fucking creepy, by the way. Yes. The audio in this was great. And that's always something I look forward to in movies. Stuff that you can't see, but you can just hear. Just like subtle audio cues. Yeah. I think one of my favorites ever is actually from Paranormal Activity. There's a scene where it's in the middle of the night and the camera is in their bedroom and the door's open and you hear footsteps running up the stairs. It feels like, I think that might be the closest to sleep paralysis that I will ever experience. 
Because the camera's just stationary, and you're just staring at, like, the open door waiting for something to, like, run through, and the footsteps get louder and louder as it gets closer, and then nothing. It's always freaky, and I love that. So I heard the footsteps in this one, and I was like, ooh, okay. I'm, I'm, for, I'm game for this. I think that I had a sleep paralysis demon when I was, like, in elementary school. Oh, my God. All right. Pause the episode real quick. You have to tell us about this. I need to hear. I've never heard this before. Um, I feel like it's not as exciting as the story as you would think. Okay. Um, we were moving out of my childhood home and into like a home home, I guess. We lived in a trailer, so let's right. just get that out of the way. So we were moving out of the trailer into a, a house and we were kind of in that limbo period where... You know, my parents had sold the trailer, but we weren't in the new house yet. We hadn't even found a new house. And I've had conversations with my parents now about it and how stressful that must have been with like a kid just living in like your mom's basement. That must have sucked. (laughs) Anyway, so we were living at my dad's mom's house and in her basement. I'm sure there was fucking mold everywhere like asbestos or something. And I just remember I slept behind a bar. So like they had a a fully stocked bar and I had like my little twin bed just like wedged in the bar space. Really? And then if you peeked over the top of the bar, you could see the staircase coming down into the basement. And then my parents were like on the other side of the bar, mm-hmm. kind of more in like the living area of the basement. I used to get so scared of just, like, I think it was just so black down there. There Mm -hmm. was no light generated from anywhere. And so I would, like, go into my parents' bed because I would be scared. And then I would stare at the wall. I would see this, like, black form. And I think it was just the wall because it was, like, rectangular. Mm -hmm. But it was this, like, black form that looked like the wall but it would like come towards me so like it was as if the wall was getting closer and closer but it wasn't like the walls were closing in it was a form like a figure right um and so like i would just be frozen in bed like watching it like come closer and closer and then if i blinked or like held my eyes closed and then opened them again then it would start at the wall and then like inch its way towards me again. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I can see you have a big smile on your face right now. Do you feel that little like excitement and, and nervous scaredness? Yeah. That is why we watch horror. That's why we read horror. I love it. And it is one of the only things that like brings up that, that feeling. And I think that's why a lot of people come back to scary movies and scary stories i don't i don't know what that that feeling is exactly but that right there that's what we chase you still have a big smile on your face (laughs) all right sorry i didn't mean to interrupt back to the show that was adorable i think we should use that as like a sound bite for our entire podcast i love that so the upper corner of this video says David Sterling. Mm-hmm. Is it Sterling or Sterling? I thought it was Sterling at first, but then you see the name on the cam, on his body cam, and it's Sterling. Okay, I think my notes might have auto-corrected to Sterling. July 18th, 2018. David prays under his breath, and he's like entering this chapel. You know how they have the chapel in the hospital for, I don't know. Mm-hmm. dying people <laughs> and Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> did we establish there's two yeah I said two. Oh, okay sorry Um, did you notice that Serling's radio when he enters the chapel like his radio goes completely dead when they're walking through the hallways there, there's like chatter. oh there's like static there's like chatter and static oh, okay. and you hear other officers or dispatch but as soon as he enters the chapel, it goes oh. all quiet. Oh, good catch. I didn't I didn't pick that up. 
there's a closed coffin in the chapel and it's banging. And there's some classic found footage interference and his footage cuts out. Then we go back to his partner, Giles, and he's the other police officer. He hears David screaming and knocking from the other room. And then it cuts to more interference uh, and a distorted video. Then we get like a little info card. Sarah Serling, his wife, contacted a dock crew a year after David's disappearance. And she just wants more answers. Mm-hmm. So she goes to interview David's old supervisor who quit after David's disappearance who is not helpful and yells at her, but Joe pointed out that she's also in his face with a camera crew asking a bunch of accusatory questions. So Can can we pause real quick right there? I think before this, in the intro with Giles or Giles or whatever, when he's at this doorway, there's a thing that rolls across. Oh, yeah. So... He's at this doorway, and all of a sudden, it looks like this ball rolls across the doorway real quick, and he like he stiffens, and you know, everything's real tense. He walks to the doorway. Now, if this was you, and you saw a ball roll across the doorway, and you know for sure you didn't kick it, your partner most likely didn't kick it. Would you lo- <laughs> would you look? to see where the ball is going or would you look to see where it came from? I'm a freezer in stressful situations. (laughs) So I'm going to say realistically I would freeze, but in the situations that you're giving me, I would look to see where the ball came from. Me too. This guy, he immediately looked to the right and we're seeing everything he's seeing. The cops have body cams and I mean, we learned that it's a human head. It's not a ball. But he doesn't even look to the left at all at any point. I would be freaking the fuck out. I'd be looking to where the, where did the head come from. I didn't even pick that up. Okay. Continue. Good food for thought. Sarah goes to see Giles, and she says that he was never helpful in the past when she asked him questions about David's disappearance. But this time, he says that he saw, thank you, Joe, a head. (laughs) And then he starts praying in Spanish rather aggressively and then pulls a gun on her. And he actually pulls the trigger. He does, yeah. I'm glad you caught that. And it wasn't loaded. You just get that, like, click, click. Right. And Sarah talks about it later as if he didn't try to shoot her. He's. She was just like, oh, he pulled a gun on me. I was like, no, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) he tried to kill you right so we get a little background on the hospital it was a religious hospital and it took in alcoholics drug addicts etc etc this woman made a 911 call the night of david's disappearance and heard this horrible scream definitely not a person screaming and conveniently took a video of it and she's like oh it was 3 a.m witching hour and then she stares intently at yeah. Sarah. Did did you have any other thoughts on this? Because I have, I have a, a note here. Uh, I have a thought based on the end of the movie. Oh, I'm very interested in hearing that. But this lady, she told Sarah that, you know, it was 3 a.m., the witching hour. And then Sarah, it seems like she's never heard of the witching hour. Oh, yeah. Ever. She was like... The witching hour. And then Sarah's like, the witching hour? And the lady's like, the witching hour. She was like dumbfounded. It was almost like someone said, you, ha- you use a spoon with cereal. And, the- and Sarah's like, a spoon? W- wait, with cereal? I'm honestly not surprised that people have not heard of the witching hour. Like that really, really? doesn't surprise me. I feel like it's a very common like phrase. I feel like people may be more aware of it in terms of like kids around dinner time, like the witching hour at mm-hmm. from like 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Mm. Okay, yeah. I don't know where I learned that from with the 3 a.m. thing. I think I might have learned it from paranormal activity. And then every time <laughs> that I wake up at 3 a.m., I'm like, fuck this, like get me back to sleep. Right. Oh, did you know what Sarah's role in the movie was? Wife? I was very, yeah, well, yes, obviously <laughs> a wife. 
But she all of a sudden had a camera guy, and just the way she was carrying herself or just talking, she seemed like she was heading this documentary. Like, she hired this guy to, like, follow her with the camera. I mean, they did say in the beginning title card that she approached them to make this documentary. So it sounds like she's paying Mm, them. Okay. I don't know. I got like a weird, maybe I didn't catch that, but I wasn't sure what she was. Because at a point later on in the movie, she says, whatever I'm paying you now, I'll double. Oh, that's right. And to be honest, it didn't occur to me that she was paying them or contracting them at all until that point in the movie. I thought it was like she approached them with a story and then they were like, oh, that's awesome. We would love to make a documentary on that. But it didn't even occur to me that she might have been like contracting them to do it. Do you think it would would have been more effective if it was the other way around where there was a documentary crew and they heard about this hospital and they found Sarah through that? I don't know. I guess it does give some realism to it of like a wife desperate for answers. Yeah. And that she's the one who's doing like the digging and that she like will not stop until she gets answers. Right. Right. I get that. Because if you were a documentary crew, unless you had like some stake in the game, like, I don't know, you're contracted by a big movie company or. Yeah. You have a point. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. So they break into the hospital question mark. I was looking at my notes during this point in the movie. Did they try to break into the hospital and that's when the police caught them? Yeah, I believe so. They tried to climb the fence and there was a security guard there. Okay, because before this, they went to the hospital at 3 a.m. to see if they could hear anything and they didn't hear anything because remember that woman heard a very non-human scream. So they were like, if we go sit outside the hospital, we'll definitely hear that if it happens again. And it didn't. That scream was pretty haunting. It was like a mixture of just like a man yelling and this kind of like a like a beast, like yeah, a bear howling. Your classic demon it. scream. Yep. <laughs> so Sarah gets arrested. She gets a ticket for two thousand dollars, and then decides that she doesn't want to do the project anymore. We get this all through like another info card that's thrown up. Mm-hmm. And then Sarah gets drunk, talks to us upside down, and says something like, the truth is mine, and then throws up all over the camera and all over the floor. And when she's laying on the floor, like the camera has fallen to the ground and she's also on the ground and she pukes up something. It looked like she puked up an object and I thought she was gonna like wake up the next morning and like find something that she threw up. Right. It was weird. First of all, this whole scene lasted way too long. This, let's be honest, the acting in this movie was not um, <laughs> Oscar worthy in the best way. Yeah, but I, you know, you might have a point. I wish they kind of went in that direction a little bit because when she fell, she she vomited, but it wasn't like normal bile it wasn't like pure liquid it was it was chunky it was really thick like maybe like a play-doh it looked like she was puking up like chunks of butternut squash it, i don't know and i mean later we find out that she's definitely a, a heavy drinker so but i would think what gave you that impression <laughs> yeah right i would think with that liquid diet <laughs> anything that comes up is gonna be liquid you know I don't know. It was it was weird. I don't know. One time I <laughs> story time. One time I threw up and I had eaten three pieces of pizza beforehand and that cheese was chunky. Are we going to share puke stories? <laughs> I mean it's relatable, right? It is, yeah. But I'm sure that when you puked, you didn't have a camera just staring at you for it had been a solid 3 minutes. No, but the guy that I was trying to hook up with did stare at me for probably three minutes. Poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> we find out that a video was leaked online from the hospital just days later 
after this whole puking incident. Not mine, Sarah's. <laughs> and just to be clear, yeah, it has like distorted audio, and they're in the uh, cage area, which was kind of weird. We didn't really describe the hospital. We don't see a lot of the hospital. Apparently, they filmed on set, which I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is like an actual place. I don't think it's actually haunted. It's just an actual building. And it's just a lot of hallways and small rooms. But there are these cages at one point of the hallway. Yeah. And I would describe them as medieval. Yeah, they look like iron cages. I mean, I have an idea what they were used for. I just hope that's not what they were used for. You don't really think of cages in hospitals. You're an alcoholic, get in the cage. They did say that it's religious. It was a religious hospital. Oh, really? Yeah, I literally said that like 10 minutes ago. Not in front of our listeners. (laughs) So the kids that broke in, they're by these cages, which seems to be where the paranormal stuff happens. There's a cameraman following someone down the hallways and... When they find this person again, their eyes are all black and their face is distorted and we get a classic jump scare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then Giles calls Sarah out of the blue to come over as he has some things that may help, quote unquote. Sarah's like, I'm a bit hesitant to come back. Yeah, because he tried to shoot <laughs> right. you. And they walk into Giles' house, and he's sitting in an armchair with his eyes unnaturally wide open, blood splattered against the wall, and a walkie in his hand. And the walkie is David's. At this point, the doc crew is like, we should call the police. And Sarah's like, fuck that. (laughs) Right. Yeah, she rips the walkie from his cold, dead fingers. I guess maybe her point is that like, they are the police. Like, Giles is a police officer. David was a police officer. And maybe she's like, they're going to stop me if they find out what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, you could also be a decent human and just get whatever you need to get while you're there. And then later, just leave an anonymous phone call. Hey, by the way, I heard a gunshot in so-and-so's house or at this address. I mean, I know it's not necessary to the story, but... It'd be nice. (laughs) If you found a dead body, would you legitimately call 911? Yeah. I feel like I would be terrified. That they would blame you? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. I have, you just reminded me, I have a, I have a fear, but it's not (laughs) very reasonable. Okay. For you guys listening, just to give you a, a visual representation, I, I'm a large man with a beard and very long hair, I shed hair every day. Oh my God. <laughs> all the time. I, I have immediately a, know where you're going. I have a fear that when I'm out on a walk or driving with the windows down, my hair will blow in the wind to like the next town over at a crime scene. And they're going to pull all the DNA and they're going to pull my strand of long golden hair they're going to run it. They're going to see my name. And come on, I don't look like the most innocent person. I know that. But it's just, oh, God. just It's funny because I know that to other people, you look very intimidating. <laughs> and you are the complete opposite. Right. And what am I supposed to say? You can't. I wasn't there. We found your hair at the crime scene in this corpse. What were you doing in this corpse? I mean, in that scenario, I'm sure that there are other pieces of DNA, right? Like, and they're not matching up to you, ideally. (laughs) Right. And they're not going to look at you and be like, oh, yeah, this guy with no previous arrests, no record, never even got drunk ever. This guy did it. (laughs) Yeah, it's almost too perfect. Anywho. So, Giles is in this Really comfy looking chair, by the way. He has like a pretty, pretty sweet setup there. But behind him, there's blood splatter and some brain matter on the wall from his self exit. 
I would say. Oh my god. <laughs> um, but we we actually had to rewind this. I I caught this where the camera pans over to the left, and behind him, there is this sigil that is reoccurring through this movie. It's kind of like an eye. And in the blood splatter on the walls, you see the sigil real quick, and then the camera pans back to the right, and it's gone. And also in the same scene, they are leaving the house, and there's two things here. One, if you notice, the door, the front door opens by itself. Yeah, like twice. Before, Yeah. And on their way out, if you look at Guile's body, I think his head turns a little bit, but his eyes follow the camera. Which I thought was a nice little, little sprinkle of, uh, you know, scary there. Little accoutrement. Yes. And they also get a cassette tape from their encounter with Giles. And it's a recording of him and his therapist. And the therapist is asking him to visualize the last thing that he saw before his body cam footage went out. And he says that he saw something tall with really long arms that looked like a bunch of sticks tied together. Mm-hmm. And then he starts moaning, but like in a bad way. And he screams really weirdly, starts chanting voices, and then there's like a bell tolling. The same bell that we heard earlier. Sounds like a steamy night. Nice. <laughs> My next note was Sarah smashes the tape. Nice. Nice. She keeps smashing all of the evidence in the movie. She's an angry drunk. What do you expect? Valid. Okay. I said that this movie reminded me a little bit of Deliver Us from Evil. Kinda. Hear me out. Okay. Go for it. Because cops, number one. Yeah. Uh, two, that's like the only similarity. <laughs> yeah, right. Like just cops. The chanting from Giles therapist tape was very like religious sounding okay i don't remember was there religious chanting in deliver us from evil i believe so because in the beginning when they have the body cam footage ah number three from when they're like in the war zone or something and they find that cave or that temple I think there's some random chanting. Huh, okay. Or maybe chanting later on. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a while since we've seen it, but... I do enjoy that one. It is. It's the one. priest is so hot. They made that priest unnecessarily hot. <laughs> there was no reason for him to be that sexy. Anyway, Sarah calls an unknown number, and I don't even know where she got this number from. Do you? It was on this note that was with the tape that she took from... Giles. Giles, I believe. Okay. He came in handy. He did have some legitimate stuff for her. Yeah. So she calls this number, and a quote-unquote unknown man answers the phone and says, I know who you are. I've been waiting for your call. <laughs> Was that good? <laughs> it's like fucking jigsaw. So he used to work compiling body cam footage and he says that he made a backup of david's body cam footage and that he's texting her coordinates and to be there in one hour when she meets him he says that there's thousands of hours of raw footage to look through and that he's helping her because this footage is scratching to get out into the world and it needs someone to open the cage which i was like hmm okay cage in the hospital metaphorical Mm -hmm. cage whatever yeah she asks if david is dead and he says that it's worse than death why would this dude give just like thousands of hours of footage i don't know are you thinking maybe he has ulterior motives i don't know he just seemed weird in general like he seemed kind of like the 911 lady like he knew too much she opens up this little box that he gave her and there's maybe like 20 sd cards And Sarah picks up a random one, and there must have been like a hundred files on just one SD card. Mm -hmm. She picks a file, and it's an officer named Jeff Gomez, and he's investigating a house. This was spooky to me. I was into this. Yeah, me too. And it seemed, I I hate when I just keep comparing 
to other horror movies, but I feel like it conveys the vibes correctly. This mm-hmm. part right here felt like VHS. You beat me to it. I was just going to mention that. Yeah. I feel like if you And could that would have been so interesting. What an interesting right? turn of events. If you could scrap this whole movie, <laughs> maybe, um, but replace the whole movie with her going through all these SD cards and watching and different like, body everything cam Everything is spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally be down for that. That would be sweet. Agreed. Glad we were on the same page there. Also, she picks a random SD card in the middle. And when I she know. opens a file, she like scrolls down and clicks like a, I know. a random file. I would start at the beginning. Okay. So Jeff Gomez is entering this house. We hear a child whimpering and he walks into this room. The room is empty except for this body that's been covered with a sheet. And you can tell that there's a gunshot wound to the head because there's a bunch of blood on the sheet, obviously. Mm -hmm. He sees this figure out of the corner of his eye round a corner. And so he turns to go investigate. And there's this extremely tall woman wearing like a nightgown. And she's got long black hair and she's just swaying in this empty room next to a window. Uh, big barbarian vibes, I would say. Oh, for like the the creature. I yeah, for like the creature design. Oh I yeah, guess. we. If you guys missed our barbarian episode, we deemed her just Barb. Yeah, big Barb. Big vibes. Barb. Big Barb. <laughs> hey, dear, big Barb. Which begs the question again: Why are we so terrified of large women? But that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> So this woman like rushes Jeff Gomez and that's all that we see. It was spooky. Mm -hmm. Did not like this part. Gave me the heebie-jeebies. I like how, uh, like we said, she picked a random file and was it a coincidence this one file had something creepy on it or was every file like a compilation of just See, that's what made me feel like did that unknown guy, the guy who sounded like Jigsaw, was that literally everything that he had? Like, it wasn't just David experiencing something creepy. Like, the thousands of hours worth of footage was just everything he saw that right. had paranormal activity on it. Because the next video that Sarah picks is three days before David's disappearance. Mm-hmm. So she's got, like, these 20 SD cards, thousands of files Mm -hmm. and she just conveniently picks david's video on like the second try right and the other thing is too so this second video is david himself right obviously something really traumatic and horrible happened on this night i'm assuming he didn't tell her or bring it up no but the fuck i mean (laughs) I'm not married to a cop, but I feel like that may be a typical like relationship between a cop. Yeah, I can understand cops not wanting to explain or talk about their especially their shitty days at work. But I feel like what Devin's about to explain, if that's something that you experience, like tell someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? At least confide in your significant other joe have you seen the departed there's a lot of toxic masculinity and they don't want to talk about these things they don't want to see a therapist yeah they don't want to tell their partners but when you're a co-op and you see a ghost (laughs) you need to fucking tell someone it wasn't a fucking ghost (laughs) that is the closest to a boston accent i will ever get wait you're telling me that's not a ghost in this clip with david I don't know. All right, let me just (laughs) run it down. All right, let's go through it. Go ahead. The video shows David investigating a house where a woman is screaming inside. He goes inside, walks around a bunch of random rooms, and then there's a man wearing this, like, horned mask. So he says that the red sister has chosen him, him as in David, and that she's eternally hungry. David shoots this guy... But he disappears Mm -hmm. from inside the house. Then outside, he finds 
the body of the same guy shot with no mask Mm -hmm. and he's dying and then as he's dying there's a clang of an object in the background kind of like those hollow sticks that kids bang together that make music oh yeah wait wait the sticks where you like turn and they go wow no oh okay like the sticks that you hit together and they go like the different colored ones and each color is like a different okay i got you yeah you're right which was like an odd sound for them to choose Mm -hmm. he turns and basically finds a shrine with the body of a woman kneeling and her arms tied up attached to this shrine Mm mm-hmm And the bloody eye sigil is painted on her back, the same sigil that we see above Giles' head from earlier. And that's it. So you think this guy in the devil mask was a ghost? Maybe not a ghost specifically, but maybe some kind of spirit or he was possessed. Because David shoots the guy, and then it looks like he turns to run, and then he turns back. And the guy's completely gone. There's no blood. There's no body. He has that weapon. It's on the ground. Uh, but the room behind the guy was just a bathroom. There was no other. There's no other exit. So how do you get from that side of the house to like outside? He would have had to pass David. And I want to know where the the mask went. Agreed. I guess ghost feels different to me than spirit. So I think I mm, like the okay. word spirit better because yeah. it felt more like ritualistic, spiritual. Yeah. I would it say didn't so. feel like, oh, this is a ghost of a dead person yeah. walking around. Right. It was like, oh, this is something larger than that. Mm-hmm. And the mask felt like it was like maybe like a deer skull with. These like giant antlers. Yeah, it looks a little like ceremonious or something like that. Yeah. At this point, Sarah recognizes the eye sigil and says that she saw it when they were watching the kids break into the hospital. The man in the video, the guy who died, was named Don Palejo, and it was reported as a murder-suicide. And it said that the cops didn't show up until, like, after everyone was dead. Right. Sarah finds Don's brother, Benny, who looks like a twin brother with him, I guess. And he runs a natural healing business nearby, and they agree to meet. And when they meet Benny, he's feeding a bunch of deer. And Benny says that him and Don were into shamanism, but that Don was into the darker side of things. And Benny recognizes the sigil that Sarah drew in her notebook as the symbol of the Red Sister, a ghost witch who feeds on souls. And this is when he brings up the fact that sometimes she'll just feed on a soul mm-hmm. and be, like be done with you right away. And then other times it's like this looping eternity of her eating you essentially yeah that that i wish that this was introduced to the movie sooner because we're in the last what 20 minutes of the movie i would want to say 30 minutes i think this was actually about halfway through oh okay this i just felt extremely long <laughs> i felt like they kept introducing and I understand it's tough because it's like it's found footage but it's also like an investigative story and you need things to come up periodically for the story to progress but I feel like this is such a big theme or this is a big part of the story that is just now introducing itself in the movie I get it like in Blair Witch like they interviewed the townspeople in the very beginning and they all talk about this legend of the Blair Witch, so yeah. you kind of get like a taste for what's happening. Right. 
just based on the intro of this movie, which I really liked. I I was I was totally on board and like, okay, cool, let's do this. I thought it was going to feel like Ganjam. Okay. Yeah, like just that isolated. Yeah, hospital. it's gonna be in this hospital. And I was all gung ho for it. So then I had to get used to shifting gears of like, oh, okay, this isn't really about them. It's about the wife trying to figure out what happened to her husband. And now we're getting another layer on top of it with the whole shamanism thing and the red witch or the red, red sister. Yeah, this part is when it lost me a little bit because Benny warns Sarah about continuing on her search while he's looking at her eyeball, weirdly enough. Yeah. And he suggests her meeting him at a sacred land the next night for answers. And this is the part that I'm saying lost me a bit. Mm-hmm. He tells her to bring something very personal of David, something that he touched almost every day. And without a beat watching this, Joe and I both looked at each other and said his dick. <laughs> <laughs> that would make Not much more sense. It. I mean, he's... that would make much more sense than what she actually brought. Yeah, she brings his walkie. There's... That's what? Like, there's got to be something more personable. Than this his... guy made being a cop his entire identity. I, I can feel it. I guess so, yeah. Before they meet up with Benny, he gives her a VHS tape to watch. And it's called Native American Legends, The Red Sister. And I don't know. It's just a bunch of info dump but this indigenous woman appears on the screen with like a skull like face and then there's like a small jump scare and then the tape pops out that's pretty much it on that mm-hmm. it's like an old like pbs special that yeah. you would watch in like history class so they meet ben oh i'm sorry i feel like an important part of that was that the jump scare happened right when they were like Oh, this is how you defeat a red sister. <laughs> yeah. Very convenient. Yes. So they go to meet Benny on this shaman reserve. Sarah brings his walkie. They hear talking over David's walkie during Benny's ceremony. And you can hear David whispering Sarah. And then this woman shouts David. I was just going to say it wasn't Sarah, but now knowing the ending of the movie, I'm kind of questioning. Oh, yeah. After that, Benny's eyes roll back in his head and he starts making this inhuman sound. And then something sharp comes out of his mouth. Oh, I thought it was like a, like a snake or a worm or something. Oh, I thought it was like a sharp finger. Either way, you know what this tells me? The land ain't so sacred. He specifically had them go out in the middle of, like, the desert or the woods because it's sacred land. That's what he said, right? Does sacred mean that, like, stuff can't happen there? I would think sacred would mean you talk about something dangerous and not have, like, a snake come out of your mouth. (laughs) I don't know. This seemed like it worked pretty well, whatever they were doing. What? I don't know. So they ditch Benny. They hear some kind of inhuman screech as they're driving away. Mm -hmm. They completely ditch Benny. And then they see him walking on the side of the road. And they're like, Benny, where were you? Get in. As if they didn't just ditch him. We're not going to talk about how we just left you. Yeah. They were like, you looked fucked up. We, We had to get out. He just walks away into the darkness, and then something inhuman grabs Sarah's face. I have no idea what this was. It, it looked like a big hand. It <laughs> looked like whatever came out of his mouth, it looked like the rest of that. Yeah. That's so, why I okay. thought it was a finger. I, all right. I think you're right, because it looked like, you know those 15-foot skeletons you could yes. get at Home Depot? It felt like this toy skeleton arm came through the door and grabbed Sarah around the face so i think you're right i think it was a finger that came out of his mouth that was that's a very accurate description sarah now becomes obsessed with his walkie and the documentary crew kind of spy on her and she's just um screaming 
And then we get some background on the Yorktown hospital with this voiceover. And this part was so fucking boring. I like could not have cared <laughs> less about this. It was like, give this to me in like the beginning of the movie. I don't know mm-hmm. why we're seeing this when things are getting exciting. Sarah calls the documentary crew back six days later and says that she found David's voice over the walkie again and she plays it. But it does not sound like David. No way. It's just some like jumbled screeching. Mm-hmm. And she's like, this is his voice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she offers the doc crew double whatever they're getting paid if they go with her to Yorktown. They roll in the joint at 2.57 a.m. The front door is wide open. We finally hear a camera guy speak, which mm-hmm. is... That was one of my main gripes about the movie. I guess they were doing their job well, but, oh, wait, I'm sorry. He does suggest calling the police when they find Giles' body, but besides that, we don't hear any kind of commentary from the documentary crew at all. It's basically just Sarah talking to us the entire film. This is the one time he starts to speak up. Right. (laughs) And he says, Sarah, what are we looking for? like not even worthwhile him speaking (laughs) (laughs) they make it to the hallway where giles recorded his last piece of footage with the cages and the head and they've been there for over an hour sarah says but it still says three minutes to 3 a.m then they hear a door rattle and some keys jingle when the camera pans there's multiple empty water bottles leading down the hallway yeah into a room with a bunch of tapes and conveniently a tape player. Why the water bottles? It's Well, throughout the whole movie, you see her drinking water bottles. And then you realize later she's oh been God. pouring vodka into the water bottles. Oh my God, I didn't even realize that. I am. Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well, nice touch then. I feel bad for criticizing. She plays one of the tapes. It has her name on it. The interviewer, it's like an it's an interview between Sarah and this other woman. And this interviewer says that Sarah has never been married. She's like fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And she asks her if she's a whore. And then Sarah doesn't talk for the documentary crew for 30 minutes after the tape incident. But then conveniently, when she's ready to talk again, it's now 3 a.m. And the bells chime throughout the hospital again. Sarah's walkie, well, David's walkie, starts going crazy. And she's whispering into the radio saying, David, I'm here. I did everything you told me. Which makes me think that a, either she's just really lost it and she's hearing voices, mm-hmm. or B, some other person, creature, spirit is right. communicating with her from the walkie and was like, bring this documentary crew into the hospital. Yeah, I think realistically it's the former. I really want it to be the latter, though. Then they begin to hear another radio from within the hospital somewhere, and then they also hear footsteps which was like, Mm -hmm. it's all coming together. (laughs) They see a dismembered head right where Giles saw one before, and then a figure appears at the end of the hallway with a flashlight, and it's Giles, and it's exactly the same as the body cam footage from the beginning. Okay, I'm totally cool with like time shifts, but here's yet another layer that they're dropping on us in the last 10 minutes of the movie. And there there is no payoff I don't know what they were thinking. Like, <laughs> I feel like we felt similarly about Devil's Pass. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Because the whole time shift happened there in like the last 10 minutes. That's true. That... And I love this in theory, like yeah. when it's done well. Devil's Pass was... I feel like, especially with the time jump, it was a... It was like a, a more of a Hail Mary. This was just kind of like reaching for something. 
I don't know. Devil's Pass at least felt like there was um like a nice payoff. It connected really well. I'm going to argue with that. Okay. Let me just get to the end here. So they follow Giles down the hallway. They're in the room with the coffin or like the casket, whatever. They're the same thing, right? Um, they find David in a closet in that room and he's been making this inhuman screaming noise and he's covered in blood. They sit him down, offer him some water and he asks why they're there and that they have to leave because she's coming. Mm -hmm. The camera guy's like, we gotta fucking go, but Sarah doesn't want to leave without her husband and they end up back in the coffin room after like running around and there's that very tall lady the same as before and she's eating david and then sarah's hiding with the camera i think the doc crew like booked it they left the camera with sarah and she's hiding in this room and the lady is like searching and so you're like kind of seeing her in a frame kind of not and she's just very large still wearing like a nightgownish type dress mm -hmm. we're assuming that this is a red sister she leaves the room but then when sarah turns the person from the kids break-in video is there the one with like the black eyes yeah that did the jump scare so that person is there does another jump scare the last shot is sarah being dragged away by the tall lady then we get some stuff from the dock crew. They say that they went back the next day. Everything is like normal and clean, minus the cages. They recovered the camera, but Sarah was never heard from again. And they did find the complete and final video from David's body cam, which they show. And Joe was like, isn't it funny if Sarah would be in the coffin, but it's just the witch lady with a bloody black hole for a mouth and white eyes. They also... This is the last part of the film. They received one last message from the lady who made the 911 call earlier. And she has, I don't know if it's like an updated video, like the video changed in her phone or if she saw something extra. But they have footage of this figure in the hospital window and it's clearly Sarah. Mm -hmm. And then they zoom in like 20,000 times on Sarah's figure and then the movie ends. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, a couple things. I w in the commotion of like the running and everything, I lost how the camera was transferred to Sarah. So it does make sense that the camera crew bailed, and I guess she picked it up because it had night vision. So I, I assume logically she would use that to see where she was going and and hiding. And I think the very last shot was this lady because when we see her at the beginning of the film she says that she's like a night owl and she goes out on walks super super late so i think this was just another walk and she heard a okay. noise and yeah you see sarah in the in the window because my theory was that maybe she was looking at her so weird because she saw her the night that she took the video of the oh. scream back when David disappeared. Oh, okay. That'd be kind of cool. But the zooming in. Oh my God. Uh, it wasn't even a slow zoom. It was like frame by frame. It would zoom in very abruptly and it kept, <laughs> it kept going. I was wondering when they were going to stop. Are we going to like look up her nose at some point? I will say that the one jump scare in the very end got me. Which it one? It got me good. She's like watching the tall lady search around and then the tall lady leaves the room and then she pans the camera over next to her and that like oh. figure with like the black eyes is yeah. right there. Yeah, that spooked me. Gotcha. But anyway, in terms of connecting the dots, I feel like this movie does a good job of like looping it back in because we learn that the red sister can worst case scenario feast on you for all of eternity the unknown caller guy he says that david's fate is worse than death mm -hmm. so we're kind of clued into that he's in this eternal feasting hell 
So it makes sense with the time loop, right? Because eternal, he keeps living the same night over and over again. Right. Sarah gets stuck in there too, um, which would make sense, like why she's seeing Giles, why she sees David. I don't know. It made sense to me in my brain. Yeah. You walking me through that, it does It does make sense. It just, I feel all these things together, all these themes are a little convoluted. I would have liked if they would have introduced the time loop a little earlier in the movie. It felt like it was so abrupt and you didn't get used to it. Also, I would like to say that the most impressive part of this movie is uh, an actor showing no emotion for about an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. And I feel bad for criticizing and shitting over her performance because this was her first role. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't even look into any of this stuff. I saw you were. Yeah, she interviewed for this role and um, she's like not an actress. And then Mm -hmm. after she did this movie, she is kind of pursuing it as a hobby, I guess. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's not all acting there's definitely some directorial missteps as well but honestly i didn't care (laughs) about any of the characters i didn't either but i will say that at least for me it had some good scares i'll give it that i guess so i feel like the ones that were pretty effective you could find in other movies done a little better I mean, yeah, I'm just... I mean, if if you're into big women and night vision stalking oh around God. a place, then I would recommend Wreck. If you want to hear spooky footsteps, paranormal activity, haunted building, Ganjian. All right, well, why don't you just come out and say you're rating then? Uh, I'm going to give this one a two and, a two and a half out of ten. Okay. I really, I really didn't enjoy this. You liked Devil's Pass more than you liked this one? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> My face is really judgmental. That's why he's laughing. I didn't think it was. I didn't. I didn't think that this was half bad. Okay. Minus the acting, and also another really nitpicky thing that drove me absolutely insane was I hated how all of the cops held their guns. It looked like a video game. It did, yeah. Like cops don't. I feel like cops don't actually hold their guns like that. I I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> I don't shoot guns. It's, I don't know why I know that this is wrong, but it just looks wrong to it me. It felt like, have you ever seen Doom? The movie with Carl Urban and The Rock? So mm-hmm. It was a video game movie, and they did that on purpose to simulate the video game. That's what this felt like. The gun was like in the middle of the screen. Yeah, yeah. It all comes down to this. She's been thinking about this for three days. Let's see what Devin's choosing. We just watched it last night. It was last night. Oh my god. Oh Joe. Jesus Christ. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you thought this was three days ago? Not not specifically three days, but we watched it last night. Longer than a day ago. Holy shit, are you okay? I was gonna say something really bad, but I'll hold my tongue. Anywho, what what's your rating? before i have a stroke (laughs) i'm gonna go four and a half oh okay let me just update the sheet i feel satisfied with that answer four and a half yeah and would you say two and a half yeah like i said i i wanted to like this i loved the intro i felt like it was gonna be super promising but I don't know. It didn't feel like there was a lot of depth to it. It felt rushed. Would the story have made sense or changed if you took out the whole like shaman aspect of it? I feel like nothing would have changed if you took that out. No. It didn't add anything to it. I guess like lo- or like backstory to it. I think that I gave it the rating that I did because it did genuinely like jump scare me twice and i don't jump scare easy yeah i I guess that's kind of (laughs) true 
Okay. You're getting better. Yeah. Do you feel like you're being more desensitized? Or is it harder to scare you? Like, I'm pretty good when knowing a jump scare is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I normally don't get scared by them. I think okay. you're thinking when you round a corner and I'm not expecting you and then you scare the absolute shit out of me. I don't count that. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm talking about jump scares in movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like That's what I mean. Okay. I don't feel like they get me that much. Um, so compared to the other movies that we've watched before, even though this one was, I mean, let's be honest, not too great. It did scare me. And that's more than what other movies on our list have done. That's fair. I like your reasonings. I would also liken it a little bit to Grave Encounters. A little bit, yeah. If you like Grave Encounters, maybe check this one out. Or if you don't want to watch this one, watch Grave Encounters. There you go. Yeah, I feel like Grave Encounters was a little more out there or a little more... Haunted Hospital, Time Loops... Yeah. The whole thing. By the way, we are now in 2023. Oh, yeah. We're talking from the past. The past. <laughs> time loop. We're time looping. Uh, this isn't even our first episode of 2023. So sorry we're late and I didn't <laughs> acknowledge it last episode. Honestly, I just made fun of Joe for realizing that this was last night's video mm -hmm. and not three days ago but when we sat down to record i thought that we were recording we're all going to the world's fair really? and <laughs> we we already did that one That's i edited fair. it edited i hate saying that word me too <laughs> on that note thank you guys so much for listening and we've gotten a couple new reviews on uh, spotify and apple oh, we did recently so thank you um if you left those and if you haven't what are you doing? Please leave us a review. We would love that. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Partners in Fright Podcast on Instagram and at Fright Partners on Twitter. Mm -hmm. That's it. Oh, I just wanted to make a special shout out. I noticed that we had one listener from Romania. I'm sure it was an accident. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But if it wasn't. Thank you, and however you say thank you in Romanian. <laughs> I love that he just called it an accident. <laughs> Who would ever want to listen to us? Oh, we're the best. Have a great week. Have a good one. Stop copying me. <laughs> Let's, <laughs> Let's, we're a little tired. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Your boy to drive on the 304. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs>